Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. There are many people who've made my life better. Two of those precious people went to be with the Lord this, within the last seven to eight days. And I cannot enter into the sermon without acknowledging the profound influence they've had in my life. I'm a double major, major from Lee University, and I majored in biblical studies and history. When I obtained my master's degree from Georgia State University, I majored in education, in political science and history. I have biographies of great men and women. I have a biography about this thick, and I do not exaggerate, I saw it yesterday, of Mahatma Gandhi. I have a biography on Howard Hughes. I have a biography on Abraham Lincoln. I have biographies on, I've read materials on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I, about six or eight summers ago, I purchased a biography on the life and journey of Nelson Mandela. This week, Paul Crouch from TBN went to be with the Lord. I want to salute both Paul Crouch and Nelson Mandela this morning. I want to salute them by saying, you have changed our lives and our world. Paul Crouch has done more to get the gospel out via television and satellite than any other human that ever lived. The gospel has been preached all around the world. We're coming, the coming of the Lord is near. And so... I don't know Paul and, and Jan Crouch personally, but I've heard great preachers because of what they've they spoken to my life, because of what they've done. And I, I humbly bow and I salute him. Nelson, President Nelson Mandela has changed the world. I was in South Africa in 2011, March, May. No, pardon me, it was April and the 1st of May. Traveling with my bishop to five nations in Africa for world missions. I had the privilege of being in Johannesburg, South Africa, where we took a brief tour and we got a guide, took us exactly to the location of the home of Nelson Mandela. I was so honored. I've read the biography and it's about this thick, couldn't put it down. He, like so many others, have changed the world. I want to give 10 seconds of moment of silence in reverence to Paul Crouch and Nelson Mandela. Bow your heads, please, and no music. 10 seconds of silence. And amen. Play again, if you will. Matthew chapter 2, and I, I apologize for the link of your standing. I, I want to follow up. I'm preaching a series of sermons called The Christmas Drama. Last week I preached about the wise men. Today I'm going to speak about Herod. And I'm going to follow from where we left off last week, chapter 2 of Matthew, and I want to begin with verse number 13. And if you'll put the text on the screen for me as I know you're preparing. This is after, 13 begins, after the wise men saw Jesus, presented him gifts, and they were warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod because Herod was seeking to destroy the child. Chapter 2 of the Gospel of Matthew, verse number 13, it reads as follows. Now when they had departed, meaning the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, 
Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And uh, they were there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I will call my son. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise man, was exceedingly angry. And here's his response to his anger. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. It's a little different, but I'm titling this message today, Herod, the Grinch, who tried to steal Christmas. Would you say out loud, Lord Jesus, help our pastor and help us. Amen. And you may be seated. Yeah. One of the best known stories of all time is a story written by Dr. Zeus, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I got a copy of the story in color book form, coloring book form, because my wife, having been an educator so long, has so many children's books. She told me I couldn't color it, and I really didn't want to anyhow, but I read the story again, and uh, I I love Christmas stories that transform lives and things and people. One of my most favorite Christmas stories is that of Twas the Night Before Christmas, where George C. Scott acts out in the movie and the Ebenezer Scrooge kind of thing. Uh, and so, uh, I have uh, this, this movie by Jim Carrey, and you know he's wacko and weirdo anyhow. Hollywood has produced a story, and Jim Carrey is the main uh, star in it, where uh, he's a, Jim Carrey is a green creature who isn't having any fun. He's the Grinch. And it's a popular Christmas allegory, uh, very popular movie. I heard uh, one from one of the movie re- reviewers, or I read from one of the movie reviewers, that it took over $100 million just on the makeup for the movie, and the different features and facial and all that stuff. And so probably everyone here this morning has either seen the original cartoon, or the current movie, or like I, we've seen them and heard them both. And if you have, you understand, there's no such thing as a town called Whoville, with people whose noses are permanently stuck up in the air, and whose hair is put up in all kind of outlandish styles. Whoville doesn't really exist, it's an allegory, but it teaches us something. We all understand that there's no green creature called the Grinch, But we also understand there are people who, in the real world, who behave like the Grinch. People who think like the Grinch. In our real 2013 Christmas season, there are people who believe like the Grinch. And who are hurting like the Grinch. 
They don't live far away in a high mountaintop in a land where it's snow-covered as he did and he lived in a cave isolated by himself away from the people of Whoville because he was hurt by them or somehow had a terrible misfortune. And as a result, he isolated himself and the more he isolated himself, the more bitter he became. The people of, our, of the Grinches of our present time they're not easy to spot because they're not covered with fur and, and, and have a green tint on their skin. The people who can be like the Grinch or Herod in our day and time, their appearance is more subtle. They wear the same clothes we wear. They, they have a wife or a husband, two kids and a dog. And they probably have Christmas presents under the Christmas tree. So... The fact of the matter is, if there's so much similarity that we have to the Grinch, there comes then the question that we have to ask to ourselves, at times we have similarity to the Grinch or to Herod. But the question for us this morning is, how do you know when you meet a Herod or a Grinch that you met one? And how do you know that you are one? Because I got to confess to you, uh, without my wife confessing for me, that there have been times I've been an Ebenezer Scrooge and a Grinch combined in one. And you're not saying amen, but I'll have an altar call later and so you can say amen. <laughs> in this Bible narrative of Matthew 2 that I read it for our text, I want to show you at least five signs that will enable you to identify the Grinches in your life or maybe if you won. We're going to look at the story of the Grinch and we're going to look at the story of Herod and we're going to find out about those who tried to steal Christmas. The fact God it didn't succeed. So the question then is, how do you know you're a Grinch? Or how do you know you're a Herod when you meet one or if you are one? It begins, first of all, when you get upset when others invade your territory. The Grinch was hurt in his boyhood because he looked different, his skin was different, he was different in so many ways. And he tried to be like everybody else, but he was rejected. And so he decided at an early age, because he lived among the people of Whoville, to isolate himself from them. So he climbed to the highest mountain peak, snow-covered, cold, cold cave, and lived there with his dog, Max, who, if you know the Grinch, if Max had a choice, he wouldn't live with the Grinch. But every Christmas, according to the story of Dr. Zeus, the people of Whoville would celebrate Christmas. They would put up trees and put up ornaments and they would uh, give gifts to one another and receive gifts from each other. And they would, like we like to do, maybe send a card. Or, uh, they would have a Christmas feast and they would have Christmas music and they would celebrate and and every Christmas, the music from Whoville down in the valley would echo right into the cave where the Grinch lived and it would invade his territory and it would make him mad and upset. The Bible says that Herod, when he got the news from the wise man that a king is being born and that he is being born after Herod called in his wise men and, and, and the scribes and the other Jewish people of prominence, Jewish prophecy. 
Herod found out that the king would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. He, Herod, was the king of Judah. He was appointed the king of Judah by the Roman Senate. The Roman government ruled the world, or at least in the world where Jesus grew up in. And Herod became rather upset because he was always, always afraid of somebody threatening his power and authority. And Herod was the kind of person who was dictatorial in his rule. You don't question what he does. History tells us that one of his sons, he had many children by many wives, one of his sons accused two of his other sons of attempting to take the throne. And Herod had those two sons killed. Later on he found out the son who accused him, them, was also trying to take his throne. He had him killed. He had one of his wives killed because he just didn't like the way she behaved. Herod, he was not loved or admired by the Jews because he was non-Jewish. He represented Roman rule and power. So they were, the Jews were not cordial to him and as a result he said, they're going to obey me one way or the other. And so he got infuriated. He got upset. This king of the Jews, a baby? Gonna, even though it's a babe born in a feeding trough, in a manger, and wasn't in a palace? A little baby, what harm could it do? He's going to take care of business. And I read in the text that he did. After the wise men did not return to him and tell him where the baby was, he had all the male children, two years and younger, born to all the Jews in Bethlehem and other districts, killed. Herod's soldiers went blatantly in the presence of the baby's mother and father and siblings. And the soldiers took their sword and killed the little children. And that's why the Bible says in verse 18, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were no more. The precious child! I thought you could love one grandchild only one special way until about two weeks and, uh, and three or four days ago when, when Fallon was born to us. I thought you can love anything more than you can your own children. Yes, you can. In a different level. I don't mean that you quit loving your kids. These were mothers and fathers who had little baby boys. They were going to carry on the family name and the family heritage. And because Herod, because God invaded his territory with the greatest gift of all. He became upset. You know, let, let me say this to you. One of the task of an honest preacher and a preacher of integrity is to be true to the Word of God, regardless of what the culture says. You know, when you go to church on Sunday morning, whether it's here or elsewhere, the preacher's job, by, led by the Holy Ghost, is to invade your territory. This church is not about three poems and a song and we going home. I'm not here to insult you. I'm not here to speak down at you. I'm not here to curse you. I'm not here to say, bless God, climb up and be like me. No, I'm just one of you. And if you don't know that after this year and what I've been through and what, what we've been through, then I don't know another way to show you that I'm just one of you. I have people help me at the altar, help me and do other things. I, I have to have some help. 
This past week, my wife and I traveled 747 miles in ministry. We were in two board meetings. I was. We were at three different events each evening. I traveled to a funeral from uh, to Chattanooga, Tennessee. I conducted a funeral on Friday here in this sanctuary. The first funeral service we done for a brother Roy Hall, who was a member here for for 22 years. And, and I love people. I told the family, the family, he passed last Sunday while we were traveling. I got word, Brother Roy has been a member here for 22 years. And the family wanted to do the funeral on Wednesday. And I could not be here. I could have had a staff do it because they're just so wonderful to help me. I can't do all the funerals and I can't do all the weddings. But there are some people. I've known him for 22 years, a man of God, a giant. I said to the family, and I'm not saying this to get points from you, okay? I'm just telling you. I said to the family, would you please... Allow me. Can you hold him for two more days? I'll be back on Friday because I can't cancel these other things. I was taking an offering from the church to an orphanage that, that I told you that I serve as a board of directors on. 93-year-old orphanage that, that, that services kids that have a desperate situations. And I told the family, look, if you can hold him to Friday, if the funeral home charges you any money extra to hold him for two more days so I can come and do the service, we'll pay the cost. Didn't have to do it. I, I love people. And I'm not here to make you feel bad, but I'm here to tell you that when I come to preach to you or any other preacher that you go to wherever you are, if you're a visitor, that one of the things the Word of God does, it invades your territory. But there are certain areas in your life and my life in the past or even now that we've hung up a no trespassing sign. God, you can talk to me about everything else, but don't talk to me about money and tithes and offerings and giving, okay? I made that money, it's mine. Wrong. Nothing. Your vision, you can't pay for. God gave it to you. Your, your ability to, dexterity of your fingers, you didn't create. God gave it to you. Your ability to speak, to taste food, your ability to make money, your, God gave you that power. Anytime He wants to, He can take you out the scene. So if God says, I want you to give to me a portion of your offering and tithe, and you have a no trespassing sign there, you are Herod or Scrooge or the Grinch. And that offering's already taken, so I'm free. Um, there's some of you that, and I have been this way at times, I've been hurt by other people. And I allow bitterness and unforgiveness to stay there for a while because the hurt was so deep. You know what the worst hurt is? The worst kind of hurt is what David said in the Psalms, wounded in the house of a friend. If a stranger hurts you, you can get over it, it may take a while. If somebody not close to you hurts you, you can get over it, it may take a while. But if somebody that you trusted in, confided in, ate with and, and lived with and traveled with and helped and assisted them in some kind of way or they're you and they turn around and hurt you, it allows bitterness and unforgiveness to come there and you'll forgive anybody else but, the, but, but you won't let God in that territory and you're the one suffering the most. Now some of us, we've been challenged with this issue of personal purity, holiness, guarding what we look at. Guarding what we say, guarding what we consume. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy, God speaking. The Bible says about the world and the flesh and the devil and the temptations of our flesh to become impure. The Bible tells us, come out from among the world and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will bless you. So therefore we cannot give ourselves over to pornography and say, well I'm adult now, I can handle it. We cannot give ourselves to filthy speaking and fault finding and criticism. I, I need, every day of my life I have to pray, God, keep me from saying, from putting my foot in my mouth, by, by, by putting my tongue in motion before I put my brain in gear. You can go ahead and say amen or I'll start pointing out. Uh, yeah, just kidding. My, my point to you is, our bodies are the temple of God. 
Sex outside of marriage is not God's plan for you. Homosexual lifestyle is not God's plan for you. Having sex with somebody's husband or wife because they meet your need or they understand you and God understands. No, it's wrong. It's not pure. Cursing people and, and criticizing people and, and backstabbing people and, and I know racial prejudice. It's not God's will. The Holy Ghost will help you with that. And, 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 and if, the more we appear, the greater blessings we receive. Some of us have a no trespassing sign over our home life. We're one thing in church and one thing someplace else. And, and I'm hurrying. How we treat our wife and children. We, we, some, some men have the mentality. And I, I'm not trying to pick on anybody in particular. Some men have the mentality. Bless God, I bring home the dough. And you'll do what I say. I'm not making any comments. I thought I heard somebody say amen. Because you might be sitting by Herod or the Grinch. And God made your wife to be equal with you. That's, I like the old saying, that's, and it's true. He took the rib from Adam's side so he, she could be equal with him and not something from his head so he could be above her or from his foot. And just because you're the man and you make the money. See, that's why I got to have people walk me in and out of the church. Because when I preach like this, I got to have a police car right in front of the door. You, uh, you, uh, you may be some Mr. So-and-so and they salute you when you go to work. Or they call you Mr. So-and-so or Reverend So-and-so and Bishop So-and-so. And got all these titles and all, all that stuff going on in your public life. But if you are not pastoring and loving and caring for your family and your home, a husband and wife equally doing it, then you are a Grinch or you are Herod. Here's a second way you can know you are a Grinch or a second way you can find others who are Grinch. When, when you, you're Grinch if you pretend to be something you're not. You ever heard the country song, The Great Pretender? I have. The Grinch in Dr. Zeus's story pretended to be Santa Claus in order to get what he wanted. He wanted to destroy Whoville's Christmas. Because he felt in the past they hurt him. And he thought, how can I stop the music? How can I stop the decoration? How can I stop the Christmas feast? How can I stop all the tinsels and decorations and, and all this celebration? And he got this idea, Dr. Zeus says. He'll dress up like Santa Claus and invade their territory. And instead of going down the chimney with full bags to put it under their tree, he would go down the chimney with empty bags to steal their gifts. And according to the story, that's exactly what he pretended to be Santa Claus. And he was such a schemer, the Grinch was, that as he was taking the Christmas tree up the chimney, Little Cindy Lou in the house that she lived in, if you see the movie and you remember, said, Mr. Grinch. Oh, she didn't say Mr. Grinch, Santa Claus. She said Santa Claus because she was dressed as Santa Claus. Where are you going with our Christmas tree? And the Grinch that he was, he said, oh, my dear, there's a light bulb on your tree that is not lighting. And Santa is going to take it to his workshop and fix it and bring it back to you. And she was content that Santa was so nice. But he wasn't. He was pretending. Herod pretended to be a worshiper of Christ. But that's not what he wanted. 
He told the wise men, when you go find that child, you come back and tell me because I want to worship him too. But what he really wanted to do is what he eventually did because the wise man but was told by God after they saw the Christ child and rejoiced and gave him beautiful gifts and knew him to be the Lord, the wise man was said, do not go back to Herod because according to verse number 12, Herod wanted to, to destroy him. You know, and so Herod was pretending to be a worshiper when he wasn't. If you take notes, remember this. Pretending is wrong when it prevents others from knowing the truth. Remember that. Pretending is wrong when it prevents others from knowing the truth. When it's a way for you to protect yourself or a way for you to get something you want from someone else that you can't get normally. There's a lot of pretending that goes on at Christmas time. Thanksgiving. I've, I've been guilty too. You got to go to a family gathering, Thanksgiving or Christmas, and uncle so-and-so or aunt so-and-so or grandpa so-and-so going to be there, and they are about as much a Grinch and, and an Ebenezer Scrooge as you've ever been around. But you know they're getting older now, and in a, in a little more time they're going to pass on, and you know they're filthy rich. They're like Ebenezer. They're just holding on to it. I, I've done a, let me tell you something about funerals. I, I've told you this before and I'll tell you again. I've been in funerals. I have led the, 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 the procession and I, most of the times I'm behind the casket and the hearse driving my vehicle. And I, I'm going to tell you, never one time have I done a funeral that I saw a U-Haul hitched up to the hearse taking the possessions of the deceased to be buried with him. I'm just trying to tell you, you can't take it with you. But there are people who pretend, so they, they pretend at Christmas time. Oh, I love you, uncle. Oh, I love you, grandpa. I love you, grandma. I love you, aunt, so and so. And you want to call her another name. But you're just hanging on for about 12 hours until this is over. And bless God, I'm going home. There are a lot of spiritual pretenders too, by the way. People who pretend that everything is all right between them and God. And they'll sit through a service, after another service, after another service, and they're sitting there thinking, I wonder what gold uh, corral serving up. And I wonder what, uh, who's going to win the football game. And my wife made me come here. Bless God, my mother made me come here. And, and you make it miserable on yourself and you become a Herod and a Grinch because you're just here because about your agenda. A lot of spiritual pretenders, when the pastor says, if, if you know you're saved and you're going to heaven, raise your hand. If you're not saved and you want to give your heart to Christ, then don't raise your hands because you and, you and Jesus got something else worked out. No, you and Jesus don't have your own thing going. We all come on common ground. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ and the Word of God and faith in Him. Go ahead and give the Lord a praise. Come on, give the Lord a praise. I, I, I'm hurrying. A lot of pretenders at church. I have, I've been guilty. Here I am, exposed. We drive two cars to church every Sunday, my wife and I. Because we can't get along coming to church. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Hey, uh, there was a time in my life when, when I had a full head of hair. She, I can give you the pictures and show you. And I started losing my hair like my father did. And the Bible says God knows the number of hair on your head. He don't have to worry about mine. I've tried supplements. I've done all kinds of diets. And here I am. Bald like a crystal ball. But I even, in, in pretending, and listen, I'm not against you, okay? I even inquired about a toupee when I was younger. Now, I wouldn't have told you that if I had it and it was working. 
And if you got one, God bless you. And some of you are laughing, you're laughing through somebody else's teeth because you lost yours and had to buy some. A lot of pretending going on. You know if you're, you're Grinch, if, if you pretend to use something you're not. Number three, you know you're a Grinch or Herod if you can't join others in their joy. Say amen to that. Dr. Zeus's Grinch would not join in on the joy of the people of Whoville, though they invited him to do so, because he felt it would only show weakness. Bless God for the last so many years. I've been up in that cave living in, 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 in that mountain, on that snow peak mountain. And, I, and the longer he was there by himself, the more bitter he became. And he had this image to protect. And a lot of us don't want to share in anybody else's joy because our image. We, we act like we're untouchable. And I don't, I'm not trying to be ugly here. Just, I, I really am not. I have people who help me, and it may look like I have an entourage. I don't have an entourage here. There are people who help me in this church because I need help. I need a little break in between services. So I go to my office, I pull off my shoes, I have some orange juice. And, but I, I am not untouchable. I know where I came from. I was born on the island of Trinidad. I came here 11 years old, but people are helping me. And I, I'll greet you at the front of the church like I've been doing. I may not be able to do it every Sunday because I want to be here. But I'm not. I'm five feet trying to be six inches tall. So if I come, uh, come across as arrogant and untouchable, I apologize. But there are people who you have to make them. Special. you got to be special to touch me. And then there are, then there are other people who, and, and they're grumpy and grouchy. and Okay, don't, don't say it. You might be saying that. If the Grinch went down to Whoville and shared in the joy, it would mean forgiving the, the people of Whoville. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. And for some of us, if we shared in the joy and we had fun and all, it would mean that we forgave our wife or forgave our husband or forgave our children or forgave our boss or forgave our pastors. Pastors have hurt people. I've been guilty of it. So if we raise our hands and praise God and sing and shake hands, it means that we, 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 we made up. That's what we're supposed to do. The Bible said the wise man experienced great joy at the sight of Jesus. Herod could have experienced the same joy as the wise man because he needed joy for his troubled soul, but the cost was too great for him. Me, Herod, go to see a baby? Especially one who might take my place? Herod's palace was only two miles away from where Jesus resided. He was so close to sharing the joy, but yet so far from the joy. Well, I remember a, a secular song written some years ago. I don't know the artist, but it said, so close, but yet so far. In our relationships. Some of you are uh, 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 far, uh, you live in the same house, but so close to joy, but you're not, you don't have joy. Some of you are close to joy this morning. You're so close to the joy of the Lord, the love of God, but you let it pass by. And you know there are some people, if they're not winning the game, they'll mess up the game board. You ever play with people like that? Yeah. If they're not winning the game, they'll turn off the TV. If it ain't going their way, they'll just get mad. And the rest of us are supposed to say, well, that's just who they are. We got to let them go. No, we got to slap. No, 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 just, just. I didn't say that. I... 
can't share it in a joy, then don't mess up somebody else's joy. Come on and praise the Lord. Amen. If you can't shout and dance and praise God, don't get mad at people who, who do that up here in the church. You had not lived in their world. I've got more joy now than ever because I feel like I've been down there and back. And it's not because of me, it's God's grace. So my joy is not going to be how much money I have or what kind of car I drive or what kind of clothes I wear. Don't, don't, don't be angry or upset because somebody has a nicer car, a nicer house, a nicer suit. Thank God for them. And praise God and bless them in Jesus' name. But just because you don't have it right now and you don't everything, your health is not everything. Don't be upset at other people. You don't know what they've been through to get where they got to. And, and therefore, in Jesus' name, let them rejoice. Here's a fourth of five things that happens that recognizes or distinguishes a Grinch or a Herod. You get infuriated when the plans don't work out. And that's why the Bible says, as they come to the music, please, and play softly for me. That Herod, in verse 16, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children. And I've read it to you and told you about it just moments ago. Let me ask you a question. It's an adult question. Why do the children have to suffer for the behavior of the adults? Why does the little two-year-old and younger have to suffer because there's an adult man who's in power and is threatened? This, our Church of God denomination sponsors about a thousand orphanages around the world through Operation Compassion. And I was in a meeting on Thursday, most of the day, in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, then turned around and drove home six hours after to, be, to conduct a funeral on Friday morning, Friday, one o'clock. And there at the Smoky Mountain Children's Home, we have kids there. I took an offering on your behalf. And we sponsor every month, we send them an offering. And we send offerings. We did, we did, uh, let me, Holy Spirit help me to say it without arrogance or pride. The kids are in there because adults made the wrong choices, many of them. They were abused. Their, their parent or parents might have been involved in drugs, alcohol, or abandoned them. Why do the kids always have to suffer for the adults? We have done this year Angel Tree, which is where we purchase from the Angel Tree, and Gina has been involved with that in Virginia. We take a name off the tree in the shape of an angel, a little tree ornament that tells us the name of a child and what that child would want for Christmas. These are children whose parents or parent is incarcerated and cannot be with them for Christmas or buy them anything. So we who do this and other churches and ministry do it anonymously, not with our name, but as unto the Lord. And Valerie and I went to GameStop. We don't, what business I got, got a GameStop. Because the teenager on our list wanted a, a game from there. And we had to ask, what is this? He wanted a certain product that the name is AXE. And teenagers, it's, it's like uh, lotions and clothing and a line of... Valerie had to go on the internet and ask our, her Facebook friends, what is this? And, she, and so we... 
He wanted a certain kind of clothing. We, I may never see him, and I did not. We do, and you're not doing it because you can see him and they can pat us on the shoulder, but because his parent or parents made a wrong choice. And may God save them and turn them around. But why should he have to suffer? He doesn't. We did, we did Samaritan's Purse and we bought hundreds of boxes like many churches under the ministry of Franklin Graham. And there'll be, I hope there'll be a million children around the world who gets a present that otherwise wouldn't get anything. Because see, the devil comes to be like the Grinch, to steal, kill, and destroy. And the Grinch would even steal the things off their refrigerator and all their tinsels. And he'd steal even the little bit of cheese that the mice was saving. And that's what the devil comes to do. And so, let's don't be infuriated when our plans change and things don't go. Let's be givers. Last point. You know you're a Grinch, number five. When your heart has never been changed. Thank God that Dr. Zeus was so creative and the story was changed. The Grinch was amazed after he stole all the stuff out of the houses of the residents of Whoville and took it up to the cave and was going to get it to the highest place on the mountain and throw it off the mountain so it could crush and shatter and be demolished and end up in Whoville as trash. But he stopped about the time he was ready to do that because he heard on Christmas Day the voices of the residents of Whoville standing around an empty Christmas tree holding hands and singing. And he thought the reason why they had Christmases before was because of what they had and what they get, what they could do. And he found out because according to, to Dr. Zeus, his heart was three times, two times smaller than the average heart. But that day when he saw the joy of Christmas that didn't come from boxes and bows and bottles. Can I get an amen? It came from relationship. It came from love. It came from forgiveness. It came like it came 2,000 years ago as a baby wrapped up in a manger. It changed his heart. He rushed back down to Whoville. Took back all their stuff. Gave it back to them. And they allowed him to carve the... Christmas feast and his heart grew three times larger but you know what I found out about Herod he died according to our text and we never heard where his heart was changed he died as a Grinch as a Adolf Hitler as a Mussolini he died and may God have mercy on his soul I'm closing with a, an account that I am presently involved with a wonderful book by Max Lucado. The title of the book is In the Manger. It was written last year. And it has 25 daily devotionals for the first 25 days of December going up to Christmas, the 25th day. I read this this week. And it demonstrates what God did to prove his love for us. Allow me to read it because I cannot articulate it by memory. Dr. Maxwell Maltz, M-A-L-T-Z, tells a remarkable story of a love that's like the love of God. He tells of a man that had been burned and disfigured 
facially and his whole body, burned and disfigured in a fire while attempting to save his parents from a burning house, but he could not get them out. They perished. This man, who couldn't get his parents out, mistakenly interpreted his pain as God's punishment to him. His disfigurement. He wouldn't let anybody see him. Not even his wife. His wife went to Dr. Maltz, who is a plastic surgeon, was a plastic surgeon. He may still be alive. She went to Dr. Maltz for help. He told her not to worry. I can restore his face, your husband's face. The wife was unenthused. Her husband had repeatedly refused any help. She knew he would do it again. Then why did she come to the plastic surgeon? She said to the surgeon upon asking, well, then why did you come if you know he's going to refuse my help? She said, I want you to disfigure my face so I can be like him. If I can share his pain, she said, maybe he'll let me back into his life. Dr. Maltz was shocked. He denied her request, but he was so moved by her love for her husband that he went to their home to speak with her husband. Knocking on the man's bedroom door, he called out loudly to the man, I'm a plastic surgeon. I can restore your face. But there was no response. Please come out, he hollered. Again, there was no answer. Still speaking through the door, Dr. Mullis told the man of his wife's proposal, her idea. He said to the man, she wants me to disfigure her face, to make her face like yours and hope that you will let her back into your life. That's how much she loves you. There was a brief moment of silence. And then, ever so slowly, the doorknob of the room that he locked himself in began to turn. I'm closing by telling you the way the woman felt about her husband is the way God feels about us. But he didn't, God didn't come to make us an offer. He came to give us a gift. He didn't come to bargain with us and say, if you do so and so and so, that's how you're going to be saved. He just said, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess your sins, you're saved. So listen, Jesus took our disfigurement. Read Isaiah. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. He was, he was beaten next door to death. His face was disfigured. His back was plowed up like a field. His blood ran until there was no more blood. Until water gushed out of his heart. He took our disfigurement. He could have come as a king. But he came as a baby. He could have been born in a palace. But he chose to be born in a stable. Anybody relating to me? By the way, Paul, Paul Schneider, lift your hands. There's Paul. Last month, because of the children, we did a benefit concert here. Paul and Mike working together, but Paul has been to Africa and back. And Paul has been gifted by God several years ago to work on a, new, a supplement for food for children with AIDS in Africa. And on that benefit, we raised about $7,000 because that helps pay for some of the shipping. And it's been clinically proven 
And Paul and I have talked about this before, and I've known about this ministry before now. It works on the children. Because the age disfigures them. It, 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 they are ostracized. I don't mean it gives them, in every case, an outward look that is disfiguring, but there are, there are sores and there are other things. President Nelson Mandela, the last few years of his life, after he retired from public service, gave the last few years of his life to helping the children of Africa with AIDS. I've been to Africa. I've been to five nations. And my my point is this. Jesus is Lord. He knows about the kids with AIDS. He knows about your cancer. He knows about your blocked arteries. He knows about your hurting marriage. He knows about the debt that you have. He knows how low down you've been and how bad you've been. And you're thinking, God won't give me a chance. He'll get everybody else. But I've been bad so long, so rebellious, so sinful. I need to lock myself in a cave like the Grinch or a room like that man. But Jesus said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. I'll come in and I'll change your life. Bow your heads, please. Pastor Allen, I've been a pretender. And I want to confess today that I'm where I should be with God. And I want, to, I want to know Him as my Savior. I want to know Him as my... And I preached long and I apologize, but this is the word the Lord gave me. But this is the point I'm bringing you to right here. Because I can't change you and I can't even change myself. But God can change us both. I want to be born again. Or I want to re-give my life to Christ. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to, to speak out loud. Just raise your hands. All I'm going to ask you to do right now. I want to give my life to Christ. There's a hand there. There's another hand here. That's all I'm asking. Three, four. Is there anyone else? Would you just say, I want to rededicate. It's, I'm not right with God. Five. Thank you very much. Six. Thank you very much. That's all I'm at. Seven. Thank you. Thank you very much. You may put them down. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Pastor, I'm saved, and I know that I'm going to heaven. But you know, Pastor, I'm like you. I struggle with attitude sometimes. I struggle with being a Ebenezer Scrooge or Grinch. And if I can't have joy, I don't want somebody else to have it. If I, I can't join in, I pretend. And I just need to have peace about this. And I need to be a lover of everybody and forgiving. I'm saved, but I got some issues. I want this Christmas. I don't want it to spoil my Christmas or my life. Raise your hand if that's you. Many hands. Put it down, please. Now look at me and stand with me. Everybody. Come praise team. Everybody look at me and stand with me. Everybody okay? Isn't God good? I'm telling you, even though he knows us, he loves us. Come prayer team all the way to the front. But here's what I want you to do. As the prayer team comes, they'll be available for you at the close of the service. I want you to get somebody by the hand and I want you to pray with me. Get somebody by the hand. If you're uncomfortable with it and you absolutely don't want to do it, I don't mind. That's okay. Take somebody's hand. Here's how you're going to get changed. Here's how that Grinch, Scrooge, Herod spirit's going to depart. You're not going to ask God for you. You're going to ask God for the person whose hand you hold, even if you know them already. You're not going to ask God for your healing, for your financial blessing until later. Right now, you're going to be a giver. Can I? Jesus gave all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If you'll take 30 seconds, you've got somebody's hand, start praying out loud for them in Jesus' name. Then I'll close the prayer. You go ahead, begin, begin to pray it out. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead. Oh, Father, 
heal their bodies. Go ahead. Bless their marriage. Bless their finances. You know what to say. Go ahead and say it. If you don't know what to pray, imagine what your needs are and say, God, they may have that same need. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I join in this prayer right now. And for those who want to be saved, to raise their hands. If you raise your hand to be saved, say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Everybody say it out loud. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and change me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I confess you as Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now put your hands together and give the Lord thanks. Come on, give the Lord thanks. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to lift your hands to praise Him now all over this house. Praise Him with your heart of gratitude that you're saved. Go ahead and start singing, my brother. And, and in, in a moment, we'll be dismissed formally, but right now, just praise Him. Father, I thank you for the Spirit of Christ. Christmas. We're not going to go around saying happy holidays. We're going to go around saying Merry Christmas. Every breath that I every moment I'm away. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.